0: back to another episode of In the Midnight Hour. This is our episode number three. I'm Lauren. And I'm Keller. And we are so excited to dive back into the world with you. Thank you so much for listening to episode three, or episode two. Already fucked up. Uh, Episode two was so much fun to record. It was weird and it was crazy and it was fun to research and I think that both of us were a little tipsy when we got done but we really enjoyed it and I really genuinely appreciate everyone who has sent me a message and said that they enjoyed listening to it and that it was fun.
1: Yeah I had a good time and uh, appreciate everybody for listening and your feedback and letting us know that you had nightmares and Couldn't sleep because you thought the boo hag was gonna ride you. Yes,
0: and also thank you to everyone who validated me and said yes. Keller seemed like he was so much more into it this time. Have any thoughts about that?
1: (coughs) I was, I was a little dead the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: so now we're
0: now we're into the swing of things. We're into the rhythm. And this is definitely, just going to go ahead and put it out there. This is going to be a very different episode. You've already seen the title of it. But this is going to have a different feel. It's going to have a different flow to it. Um, And so much of that has to do with the fact that we are actually featuring a guest today. And. And.
1: Drum roll.
0: It is my sister, Anna Kelly. So, Anna Kelly, say hey to the people.
2: What's up? What's up? Happy (laughs) to be
0: here. (laughs) We are so happy to have her. She actually was the person who gave us the idea to do this episode. And, of course, we had to feature her on it because she does play a large role in this. And this topic we're going to be discussing today is something that she also suffers from. So i just go ahead and put it out there. Today's topic is living with an autoimmune disease. And before we get into all of it, I want Anna Kelly to give a little info about herself so that you get to know her before we get rolling in the episode.
2: Well, as y'all all all heard, I am Lauren's sister, only and best sister um i'm 22 about to be 23 next friday actually the cats just literally had zoomies throughout (laughs) the
0: house right in the middle of um
2: i just graduated from clemson university whoop whoop. Uh, i'm studying to be a cpa so that's about as fun as it sounds um i'm a certified horse gal which is always she's a horse
0: girl horse girl
2: i'm not the run on all fours horse girl though you used to at, be. I'd I to to say
0: she is a she's a former horse girl. Yeah.
1: You don't do horse play? <laughs> yeah. You put the bit in your mouth and You go, "I can't
2: <laughs> share all of my secrets yet. That'll be for another episode for sure."
0: Yeah, but no, she she's great. She's amazing. Um I'm their biggest fan. For sure. <laughs> Killer said don't lie. So clearly there's I'm, a little animal. was their
2: number 1. That was their first five star rating for the podcast. I'd like to put that out
0: yeah, there. Yeah. So basically, everyone else can suck a dick, okay? Because yeah. you didn't get there first. Yeah. So if you ain't first, you last. Yes. Ricky Bobby. Yeah. A good, a good, a uh, quote to start us off. It's, it's going to be a little bit heavier, a little bit darker, Buckle a little up. bit sadder. There may be tears shed. So if this is not your kind of thing, that's why we got the Titos. But. I have a double shot of tequila like last week and some water (laughs) and some water and some lemonade Mio all swirled together. That's my cocktail. I did have a Tito's and water and lime earlier. Anna Kelly, what are you sipping on today? Tito's, water, and Mio. That's That's pretty much been the theme all day. Yeah, that seems to be the the trend today. Keller, are you sipping on anything?
1: Uh, Miller Lite.
0: I feel like to really understand this topic that you need to know the history. You need to know what it is. You need to understand how it works. No, we're not going to give you an awful, horrific science doctor discussion. We're just going to give you the basic understanding, the basic principles, because I don't think that you can really get it until you know the history and before I even say that, let me start off by saying that I have Hashimoto's disease and thyroid disease. Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder, and thyroid dis- disorder is an offshoot of that. It is what started, and then I developed an autoimmune disorder. After that, and, and Anna Kelly, you explain your role, why you're a guest this week. What do you have going on in the world of autoimmune?
2: Oh yeah, so I, I too suffer from the Hashi's and the thyroid um, but what kind of started my journey was uh, being di- diagnosed with Lyme disease and then also I had um, like weird liver titers going on so that kind of started the investigating into my medical issues.
1: Does Lyme disease mean you can't eat limes.
2: I totally wish that's what it was. That would be a lot more fun no to explain. No margaritas.
1: No margaritas for you.
2: We all know I would die because
0: tequila is my my gal, for sure. Yeah, so Keller is going to be... Our comedic relief. Yeah, he's going to be serving as the court jester today <laughs> so that me and a Kelly can get really fucked up and really mentally disturb you. And I mean, then we're Keller, already there.
2: It's just... Sinking back into that, Yeah, you know. and
0: so then Keller's going to offer his sage, wise wisdom like he always does every episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I have Hashi's. She also has Hashi's. And we're going to give you not only the idea of what Hashi's is, but what is an autoimmune disorder? How do these things all work together? And then... We're going to be talking about our experience living with these things. And I think the main reason, and Anna Kelly can elaborate on this a little bit, but I think the main reason why we wanted to talk about this is because it's a disease that a lot of people suffer from, mostly women. For the most part, a silent, disease, a silent illness, so you may look at us from the outside and say there's nothing wrong with you, there's nothing going on and it couldn't be farther from the truth actually and I think both of us think that it's important to talk about because we're one of millions of people who are affected by it and you know if we can bring about any education any, you know, anything that can push forward the awareness around this, I think is important. Um, Do you have anything that you would want to add on to that? I mean, like you said,
2: it's, you know, it's the the silent killer in the background. And I think looking at both of us, we've led very two different lives and both had very successful experiences in very different realms of the world. And so that, you know, for us to kind of share the same, you know, medical issues. But it also affects us so differently, which is yeah. the biggest thing with these, you know, autoimmune disorders is it affects everybody so different. So nobody's yeah. story is going to be exactly the same. So it's hard for others to kind of understand and,
0: exactly you know, and sympathize. be on the same level. Yeah, yeah. and understand yeah. because, and that I am, that is actually a note that I have that I'm going to talk about in just a second. But, yes, it it varies from person to person. So, like, if you know me and Anna Kelly in real life, we look very different. We carry our weight very differently. We both suffer from a lot of the same symptoms. There are overlaps, and that's how you get diagnosed with different Um, autoimmune disorders is like, we both have Hashi. So obviously we do have similar symptoms, but the way that those symptoms present and the severity of them is very different in us. And I've known other people who have Hashimoto's, but other autoimmune diseases, and it does present differently with more severity in person to person. So I think that that's why we want to talk about it. Yeah. What is an autoimmune disease? an autoimmune disease happens when the body's natural defense system can't tell the difference between your own cells and foreign cells, causing the body to mistakenly attack normal cells. There are more than 80 types of autoimmune diseases that affect a wide range of body parts, and this is all from John Johns Hopkins Medicine's website. So, Some common autoimmune disorders that most people have probably heard of but you may not know are autoimmune disorders include rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis. I didn't even know psoriasis. I didn't
2: know rheumatoid arthritis was one because that runs in Dylan's family. So thank you for educating me.
0: Yeah, I (laughs) knew that that was. I did not know about psoriasis. Mm -mm. Lupus, various thyroid diseases, which include Graves and Hashimoto's. And like we said, we have Hashimoto's. Symptoms and severity vary in person to person and disease to disease. The level of severity can relate to genetics, environment, and personal health. So let me explain to you what the thyroid is because that is the, that's the thing that's at the center of all this. So the thyroid is an endocrine gland in your neck. It's at the front of your neck. It's right around your windpipe. If you reach up under your chin, you can literally feel it right now. It makes two hormones that are secreted into the blood, T4 and T3. And they both have really big names. I'm not going to try to say them. I learned them
2: in school, but for do animals. You, do you know but how to say I'm, them? I know. Like, Thy- thyroxin.
0: Thyroxin. And then and triodi- tri- I'm. It's not... It's, not it's okay. Ex- it's not, it's yeah. okay. T3 and T4. T3 and T4. Okay. That's we're so we're going with, baby. It's a gland in your neck it makes two hormones T4 and T3. These two hormones are necessary for all the cells in your body to work normally. So just let that sink in for a second. Let's let's process that. So these two hormones that get secreted into your bloodstream are responsible, not just responsible, but 100% necessary for all of the cells in your body to work normally. So when we say it affects everything, we're not exaggerating. This is a scientific fact. So
2: Double check if you want. <laughs>
0: yeah, because yeah, I am going to cite all my sources. These are all medical reports, medical documents. So what systems in the body does the thyroid control and affect? So what do these hormones... Do essentially. So they secrete T4 and T3 into your blood. In short terms, these hormones regulate the speed in which your cells work. So not only does it affect every cell, but it makes sure the cell is going at the correct speed. When the thyroid is working correctly, it is constantly producing new hormones. So those T4 and T3 is constantly producing them. These hormones control your metabolism. So if you produce too much of these hormones, T4 and T3, you can develop hyperthyroidism.
2: Which is also Graves' disease.
0: Yeah. So if you underproduce, you can develop hypothyroidism, which is what I have. So now let's move on to what Hashimoto's is. We know what the thyroid is now. We know what it does. We know how it affects your body. So let's talk about Hashis, because this is the autoimmune disease that we both have. So this is the most important part. Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune attack on one's thyroid, and it's based on a dysfunctional immune system, i.e., your thyroid is being attacked by your immune system via antibodies it releases. Those are otherwise known as blood proteins, attempting to destroy your gland as if it's some vile enemy. It affects your body by degrading your thyroid for years and causing inflammation in your body, but it can be held in the body for years before it truly presents itself, which is the scary part about it is that it can be silently in your body, slowly destroying your thyroid gland. Building up inflammation to the point where you develop thyroid diseases and to the point where it becomes a full-blown autoimmune disorder. So, but you'll know when it shows up because you're going to start having these symptoms, which I'm about to talk about. So, here are some common symptoms. Easily fatigued. Yes, check. Check. (laughs) Increased sleepiness. Check. Brain fog. Big old check. <laughs> insomnia. Really struggle with that at different points in my life. Muscle aches and pains, which also goes with joint aches and pains. Still struggle with those a lot to this day. Irregular menstrual cycles. Check, check, check. Have a hard, hardcore check for me. Problems with memory or concentration. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, every day. Puffiness in the face, hair loss. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. That's the one. Yeah. If you saw me in high school. Me too. Then you knew that I had very short, very thin, very cottony hair, and it has taken years of not using any heat, not using any products, literally just leaving my hair lo- and not doing anything to it. To get to the point where I am now. And most people can't even afford to do that. Most people can't afford to get to that level. So, depression. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one's, that one's a heavy one. Yeah,
2: that one's, that's the one especially nobody w- wants to talk
0: about. No, no. They, they might mention it to you, like, you get a little sad. You get yeah. a little sad sometimes. It's like the drug
2: commercials. Side effects may include depression. depression suicidal
0: death. thoughts. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> wait, pause, what? What? Can we circle back to that, please? Weight gain and sometimes weight loss. I have really, I'm going to talk about it more, but weight gain is a big one for me. It's been a big one for a long time. But some people who fluctuate more into the hyperthyroidism graves, they struggle with not being able to put weight on. Uh, Dry hair and skin. Yeah. Yeah really struggle with that that's why I have to skin I literally will call myself a reptile sometimes because
2: it's so bad yeah it's year-round it's not just no it's not just winter time dry season no
0: no and I have to like I mean those of you who know me in real life know that I have a really intense skincare routine and I do that because I have such incredibly incredibly dry skin and then even that that doesn't help my scalp like i can have super oh i can moisturize my skin to death on my face but my scalp will still be so dry that it like hurts around my hairline yeah
2: not even just my biggest thing is like my legs especially mm. i have horrible skin yeah and on that's my a legs. whole other you've dealt
0: with the legs yeah,
2: the, really the, bad like, and just my body in general is just reptilian. Yeah. Most days.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. Awful.
2: I could drown myself in oil and, and yeah. <laughs> it's not going
0: to help. So poor stamina and not in a sexual way, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> but yeah,
0: but but low libido also on the list. Poor stamina in the sense that like you go out for a walk, you go for a run, you go lift some heavy stuff, bring your groceries in the house and, you were normal people, healthy people would be able to do it in a breeze. It'd be nothing for someone who deals with Hashi's. It feels like the hardest thing you've ever done. I mean, there's been days where I've had really bad um episodes, really bad, really heavy days of dealing with this disease where I've gone and done the dishes and the laundry. And that felt like the hardest workout I've ever done. Now I've had days where I can do a really hard workout and I feel great after, but some days doing the fucking dishes is the hardest shit I can do.
2: Oh, absolutely relatable. Uh, yeah. Some like right now we just moved and I live on the very tip top for the apartment. And sometimes I catch myself, i walk up the stairs and I'm like, what? Yeah, you have to stop. I need to sit down for a minute. Yeah,
0: sometimes you get lightheaded. Yeah. It's like I get the stars behind my eyes. It's not even just like a workout or exercise I stood up too
2: quick. I'm going to pass out. Yeah,
0: like I need someone to come and give me a cold rag because my knees are about to lock out. So anxiety and panic. (laughs) Yeah. And people who suffer from hyper, this is like a very common thing for them. But... In in my research, but more than in my research, in my personal experience, it says that the farther you get into hashis, the farther, the more years you live with it, anxiety and panic really start to become a part of your daily life. Oh, and your daily which routine. is the
2: whole other thing about this is that it's not like this is some curable thing. It's
0: no, you're gonna you're live gonna, with gonna it continue to degrade for the rest.
2: To of your re- your thyroid is gonna continue to degrade for the rest of your life. So it's not like. We're making the best of what we've got right now, kids. Like,
0: no, you, yeah. And, and we're going to get... the anxiety
2: get, and, and all the stuff is just going to...
0: It's going to be there, and you just have to try to, like, do things to around it to try to lessen it or yeah. to try to have coping skills to so that you can personally manage it better. So problems with heat or cold, which we both have on oh, different yeah. levels. The heat is... Ugh.
2: But even I would say cold too. Yeah. I've always been very cold extreme weather.
0: Extreme weather stuff. It's like our bodies just don't do well. It's embarrassing when all your friends are like, oh, we're going to go and hang out and we're going to sit outside or we're going to go get a table outside at a restaurant. Oh, that's the worst. (laughs) It's so embarrassing in social situations. Or, you know, Keller, he's a musician. And so a lot of his summer shows are outside. And fortunately, for some reason, my body has learned to regulate the heat better. I don't know if it's just from being outside more, but when we first started dating and he would have outdoor shows, it would be, it it would feel like a marathon some nights. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that, that it felt like a marathon. Yeah,
2: I totally agree. Cause I mean, anybody who knows me in my real life knows, like we said, I'm a certified horse gal. So I've spent all my days outside Mm, most of my jobs have been working at barns you know I worked for I was a practice manager for a vet um so it can get very when you're trying to explain to somebody who may not be familiar with it about the the heat and regulation and you're they're like just expecting you to be able to work and you're like I can't like (laughs) I'm trying I'm I'm gonna gonna die you know so
0: so that's, that's the main symptoms that I have listed out. But I mean, to be completely honest, in my experience with Hashi's, I have struggled with every single one of those to different degrees and different severity at different times of my life. So like in high school, I struggled with insomnia extremely bad. And when you're in high school and you have to get up for school at 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning and be at school at 8, that is not something that you want to deal with. But it would be nights where my heart would be racing, which is another symptom of Yep, hashish. absolutely. And you, I would, I would lay there. My heart would be racing. My mind wouldn't be able to turn off. And sometimes even if my mom wasn't going, it's just I wouldn't get tired. Yeah. I wouldn't get tired, and I would sit there 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and then would have to get up the next day and try to function through school. And I cannot tell you how many days that I would sit there and be in my last class, str- like fighting tooth and nail, gripping the desk, trying to stay awake. Um, so yeah, in high school, I really struggled with insomnia at the age I am now, almost 25 insomnia. Isn't something that I deal with on a daily basis, but something that's, I've always struggled with is my tiredness, my tiredness level. It's embarrassing how tired I am and I feel like it's hard to describe the type of tiredness you feel because it it's like a weight it's like a physical weight around you it feels like there's days where I feel like I weigh a ton like literally like weight like have weights hanging off of me like shackles and I'm walking around and it's just like Extreme heaviness physically, but also I I mean Keller can tell you, I've probably said this to him a million times. There are days where I literally look at him and say, I feel like I accidentally took a sleeping pill.
2: Oh, I so agree, which I know I keep saying, but you know, the the tiredness and like you said about being a different kind of tired really like hits the nail on the head because it's not just Oh, I I stayed up too late or I have a hangover or, you know, it's, you know, like you said, it's that weight on the chest. But then you wrap around it, you know, the other symptoms of the anxiety and, you know, Mm. the intrusive thoughts and everything like that. And so you're playing this game of battling all these different symptoms at the same time and also trying to carry out a normal life. And, yeah, and trying to put the portrayal out there that like, oh, I'm functioning. Yeah, as a normal person, I'm high
0: functioning. I have all these things that I have to deal with on a daily basis. I need to work. I need to have a social life. I need to have, I, I you know, I, I need to be a good wife to my husband. I need to work out. I need to eat healthy. There's a lot of, there's so many different shoes and things you're trying to, you're trying to juggle all these roles in your life, but you feel like. I mean, like I, it's all—it's hard to describe. It's very hard to describe unless you've had that level of tiredness. It's just bone, bone weariness. I mean, take a sleeping pill, and that feeling of tiredness where you're kind of fighting back a little bit, you're struggling through it, and you're like, I need to go to bed. I feel so tired right now. I feel so weak and drowsy, but feel that for an entire day.
2: Oh yeah, and not even just the physical tiredness, which, you know, of course we mentioned the the muscle aching or whatever. So it's mm. definitely the physical tiredness, but the mental and the emotional
0: Yeah, because then tiredness. you're like I don't want to complain about this five hundred times yourself
2: a day. And then you're battling everything else. So, you know, at the end of the day you're like literally carrying the world on your shoulders, it feels like.
0: Yeah. How I got diagnosed with Hashi's Um, Everyone has a different journey that they take when they get to that point. Um, For me, I was in ninth grade, around ninth grade. I was very into sports, very athletic. I took weightlifting at school. I ate decently. All of this is to say I was, you know, would be considered like very – Peak performance, very high level, high energy athlete. I was not.
2: You're also, you know, into makeup and hair and everything. Yeah, I had, I mean,
0: and I had a lot of friends. I had a great social life. I had a lot going on. So I wasn't, I wasn't just like sitting around doing nothing every day. I was, I was out doing shit every single day. (laughs) (laughs) And around, Ninth, going into 10th grade, I noticed that it just felt like my body had a really hard time dealing with all the different things that I had in my life. It felt like I was getting tired more than just your average workout tired. I had all the markings of someone who should not have been what, what the public thinks of Hashimoto's, what the public thinks of hypothyroid disease of someone who is overweight, someone who doesn't do a lot of physical activity, someone who doesn't eat right, someone who they make the mistakes and get themselves into this disease. I did not fit that stereotype at all, at all. And I still got diagnosed and I don't really know why. Don't really have a good explanation. You have wonderful genetics. I would complain to my mom about feeling like I was never rested enough, that I was way, 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 way more tired than you should be. And it, and yeah, I was doing a lot of activities, but there was a period of my life where I fully thrived and did that and had no problems. And I was taking tumbling classes and I was doing things pretty much every single day of the week and the weekend and had no problems. And All of a sudden, I hit a wall and that's what led to my diagnosis. I went through many different doctors, um, got put on many different medicines, and uh, suffered a lot throughout that period of my life. And before I got to the doctor where I was at now, I think I saw three or four different doctors, at least. I would have doctors who wouldn't listen to what I was saying, who didn't take my pain seriously. I've had a doctor tell me that Hashimoto's is the easiest of the autoimmune disorders to deal with and that I was lucky to have only gotten that. I have had doctors literally tell me to get my chakras aligned because that could possibly be healing to me. To get acupuncture, I finally got to the doctor, the practice that I'm at now, which is out of Merle's Inlet in South Carolina, when you walk through this diagnosis and on your journey through it, you get told that you need to make a complete lifestyle change, that you need to, I've been told I need to try every kind of diet that's ever been popular ever. I have been told to try different things. I've been told gluten-free. I've been told paleo. I've been told keto. Dairy-free. Dairy-free, sugar-free. I've been told a lot of different things. take
2: everything that you ever enjoy eating out of your life. Yeah. And then your body can actually process it
0: at that point. I was being told these things by doctors when I'm 17. Yeah. 18 years old.
2: In a house and, with three other siblings, and I had not been diagnosed at the time. And
0: two parents, I don't have money. I don't have resources. That's a that's
2: a complete lifestyle change. Yeah. Not for you, but for for the whole family. Because yeah. that's what we would have to do. Yeah.
0: It, what what do you expect, honestly, realistically? What do you expect a seventeen year old,
2: also school lunches? Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I have to go to school every day, babes. Like, what do you expect? I can yes, I can pack a
2: lunch, but so I'm, I'm have also to, seventeen. But that also
0: means I'm gonna either have to ask my mom, or I'm to gonna have get to me, cook yeah. a whole separate meal that's different than the rest of my family. And we and did not also take, we didn't take. We, we ate the school lunch. Like, we didn't pack lunch boxes. No,
2: no, we were too busy for all that. Like, there's four Mind of us. Mind you,
0: again, I'm cheering on two separate teams. I'm going to tumbling classes every day. I'm still trying to maintain a social life. And most importantly of all, I'm attending school every single day for well, eight I'm hours a day. I'm just trying to
2: be a teenager who's walking through life at that point in time.
0: And being told that I need to uproot everything about my life like, and it
2: may not even work.
0: And it may not work. Yeah, you may have to try something else.
2: It may make you feel a little better, but I guess a little better is better than nothing else.
0: Yeah. So, being told that at any given age, any given time of your life and expected to just know how to do it, oh, given yep. no resources. There's no nutritionist available. And by the way, all of these doctors, we're paying insane amounts of money for. Because, because they're specialists. Because they're specialists and they work at private practices. These are not doctors in your health care system that are going to take regular insurance primary care
2: physician. No,
0: they're not going to take insurance that you're, you're going to have to pay into a yearly annual system.
2: And we drive five hours away to go see him.
0: Yes. Or do a telehealth, which is anyone who's ever done a telehealth knows it's awful. It's so cold. It's like, you have to set your fucking computer up on 14 books so that you sit there eye to eye with them. It's weird. It's,
2: it's, well, and it's not being in office, like, if he wants to say, he can actually hey, you. based on what you're telling me, let's draw some blood today. It's, okay, now I have to go get blood drawn from somewhere, get it sent off, if the blood makes it, if the paperwork makes it If to they them, test you
0: right, because I can't tell you how many times I've taken paperwork to, to, to somewhere, and they left out a test, so then I have to go back and get more blood drawn. Or they
2: question you. Oh, you're only 17. Why do you need these tests done? Are and, you sure you need these tests say, done? And when we say,
0: you know, I mentioned earlier getting blood drawn every six months. That's if you're at a good doctor's office. There's a lot of doctors who will say, oh, I'll test you annually. and Or won't
2: even, they'll test your T3 or your T4 or whichever one, and they won't run a full panel. And so you may be fine in that aspect, but until they do a deep dive into everything.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you can... Um, and when you go get your blood work drawn, it's not a little bit. It's not one little vial. It's no, not it's a like cute little. Six. <laughs> no, it's I've i I've gone in. And I had like 10 before. Uh, easily, easily. Easily that. And you can't eat. You got to go in in the morning. You yeah. got to do it at a specific time. You got to do spit tests. You got to do. I,
2: and then let's round <laughs> this up with, you know, the whole symptoms of easily dehydrated and, you know, some of the thyroid patients being anemic. So then it's like, let's take our blood and then be able to be okay. Let's hope yeah, have let's somebody with after. you.
0: Like last time I got my blood work drawn, they're like, yeah, you're mildly anemic and I've never been told that before. That's yeah. a new thing. But it's like, did they give me any supplements? Did I get anything? No, <laughs> no.
2: And especially what blows my mind about all this is, you know, when all this is starting, we're talking about this now as, you know, 24 and 22 We were doing this at 16, you know, this is, we're a teenager. We're already dealing with the normal teenage angst and just bullshit. And then now let's go tell our friends that we're having to go see a special doctor five hours away, get 10 vials of of blood taken
0: because
2: we're sleeping and we're whatever, and we're not functioning normally anymore.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you look at one of us, especially back in high school, and you think you're like, (laughs) you have an autoimmune disorder. First of all, what the fuck is yeah, an autoimmune? Yeah, well, disorder? and then you
2: add in small town USA, like nobody knows what that is.
0: Yeah, and no one cares no. to know what that is. Or a lot of people don't in our experience. High school was for me, that was like just the tip of the iceberg. Like it was it was hard um and it was it was it was demanding and it was stressful, but you're living in your parents home it's like when you look back on high school it's the lowest stress time of your life uh for most people obviously everybody has a different life experience but in my situation high school now is a low stress time of my life (laughs) as I've gotten older um one of the and this is this is really hard for me to talk about so I'm I'm going to try to be vulnerable about this, but it's one of the it's one of the hardest parts of this for me because there's just so many layers to this issue and it's that as I've gotten older, I've had a lot of rapid weight gain living life where you're 20 21 22 23 and you feel your body changing almost uncontrollably uh it's hard and there's a I already had very deep-rooted body image issues for as long as I can remember if you were to look at pictures of me back then I was the same size as every other tiny, skinny, skinny little girl around me. I was never overweight until after high school. And I'm, I'm just working through the feelings right now. The weight gain, it feeds my depression and my anxiety and my panic. Um, and it just, (laughs) it makes you feel like a loser when you look around and nobody looks like you. And the only people that look like you, you hear the way that people talk about them. You hear the way that people laugh at them. You hear the way that people talk about their food habits. Um, why don't they work out? Why don't they eat better? So it's just hard. It's um it's a lot uh, mentally. I am tall too, so it's like I feel like in every room that I go into that I take up space. My perception is that all people see is my weight. All people see is the external. And I know that that's not true. Rationally, I know that the people who love me don't just see that. <laughs> But even rationally, I know that it is unavoidable and that people do see the weight, that people do see the size that you are. Some of that is truth because I grew up being skinny and so I know what it's like to be treated as a skinny person and hear other people talk about overweight people. And then I know what it's like to be overweight and be on the other side of it. There have been periods in my life where I feel a lot of anger, um, where I feel like I have to protect myself and put a, a, a guard up because I just know that everyone sees me as one way. I feel like sometimes the people around me are disappointed in me I feel like even people that love me are disappointed (laughs) because they've seen me be—they've seen me be skinny. They've seen me be on the other side of it. Sometimes I'm so disappointed in myself too because I feel like it's my fault. I want to be the the girl who gets up at seven a.m. and goes for a fucking run every day. I want to be the girl who isn't tired. (laughs) When I do the laundry, you know, I want to be the girl who wakes up and puts on the cute outfit and puts on the makeup and feels worthy of that experience and then goes out and isn't tired and isn't sad about all of it. I know that it's perception and I know that it's a lot of it is in my own head. But I do feel like people are disappointed in me a lot that I don't. I'm not skinnier or that I'm not farther ahead in my career or that I'm not farther ahead in my diagnosis. I'm not, I'm not getting better actively because people, people want an easy fix. People don't like when you're not easy to fix. People don't like when you're complicated and it's not an easy solution and people don't like dealing with things for longer than they have to. So, and this isn't an easy fix. This isn't an easy solution. And it's very isolating. It's very lonely to walk down this path. Um, so, I, I feel a lot of weight. A lot of weight on my shoulders that I know that I have put on my, myself. I feel like I've unintentionally or intentionally, however you want to make it, put other people's weight and their desire, you know, their desires for me. And sometimes I don't even think that people are... I think that sometimes people are well-meaning in their expectations of me they don't mean it to be hurtful they want the best for me they want me to feel better they they know that I struggle with my weight mentally so they want me to lose weight so that maybe it'll make me feel better and most people have not ever vocalized these things but it's a it's a you just kind of know sometimes when you look at people that's my mindset uh Pretty much every day, uh, I just feel tired of being sick. I feel tired of being tired. Um, I'm just tired of all of it, um, and I want to get better. And I want to, I want to feel better. But it's not an easy fix. It's not an easy fix. So, we just had a little pause, because it got a little heavy. (laughs) Got a little heavy, cried a little bit. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so what I was saying is that my case is very complex. I've had a lot of ups and downs in the last couple years. Um, I've had some really great highs, and I've had some really... Low, low lows. I want to give the mic over to you now. And I want Anna Kelly to have the space and the safety and the time, the same time and effort energy that I did to tell her story. Because we have editing and we can cut out as much as we (laughs) want after.
2: Yeah. um, So Anna Kelly. We'll definitely see. uh, Sorry for the comedic relief that I'll be using. And if I'm laughing, I'm laughing through the pain. Um, you know, I'm not laughing because this is funny. This is not funny. It's not funny to live with. And like you said so many times, um, that is a, like the mantra of my life. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being sick. And unfortunately the reality is with these autoimmune disorders is, you know, um, when you get thrown into that, to the sick label, we aren't, you're not gonna, we're not coming out of the sick label. We're not removing ourselves from that. We're, that's, that's the permanent state we're going to be in, unfortunately. Um, you know, we can medicate, we can do whatever bullshit diet and whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, we're managing, we're not getting better. There's no curing, getting out, whatever, but anywho. Back to, I guess, kind of how you started. My journey with this, when I started, um, actually was very similarly around the same age, ninth and 10th grade. Um, I was the same way. I rode horses. Yeehaw. Um,
0: (laughs) Save a horse.
2: (laughs) I was that horse girl. Um, But, you know, I was showing every weekend. And I have always been a perfectionist. I have always been the... I make a 99, that's not good enough. I need to make a hundred. Um, everybody in my life knows this about me, um, and so it's the same with Lauren academically. Excelled, you know, we kind of pushed our way through everything. That's just kind of who we were raised to be as a family. Um, is yeah, pull we,
0: yourself up by the bootstraps, yeah, pull
2: yourself up by the bootstraps. Get it done. And If you're gonna do it,
0: you're do gonna do it good, you're gonna do it good, you're yeah, gonna do it great, even.
2: Um, so I rode horses, which, you know, it went from boarding at a barn to I moved the horses to the house. So I took care of them full time. Um, and so, you know, I was the full time caretaker twenty-four seven 365 for all the horses,
0: morning and evening, whatever. Which is a huge undertaking, by the way. You know, As I don't a want her thirteen year old. <laughs> yeah, I don't want her to undersell that to y'all. That is a massive um undertaking for anyone, no matter what age, but especially for someone as young as she was.
2: Yeah. And I loved it. I loved every moment of it, but you know, so I, again, I was very active, was doing all the things and, um, and luckily at this point, I feel like I kind of got the better end of the deal because my mom had kind of went through this or I say my mom, our mom, and went through this with you um, and was, you know, already researching and y'all had been to the doctors, you know, you kind of unfortunately got to be the guinea pig and trying to figure out
0: everything. But but shout out to mom because she oh, has been she did, the number one I would advocate. I was say, and we'll
2: definitely touch this later about having to be your own advocate and feeling like you're your own doctorate sometimes, but... This, I'm not going to say, I was about to say this
0: bitch, but... <laughs> <laughs> this fucking bitch. This bitch.
2: She really, she went out there and read all these books and did all this research for her herself. She became
0: more informed than most of the doctors yes, that we... And she
2: found all the doctors that we needed to go to. Yeah, and, she took
0: us to all those lab work when we were in high school. Yeah, and
2: advocated for us as the 15, 16, 17 year olds that we were.
0: And still advocates. Uh, yeah. She still is the one who... Yeah you know, calls us and make sure that we're on top of our medicine yep. and that we're on top of our appointments and stuff. And, and just
2: staying informed and really just was there to, you know, and thank God we had somebody who was. Who gave a shit, Well, who really w- gave a shit. Could see, you know, okay, is this just a teenager that is sleeping all day because yeah, they're it's a teenager puberty. but knowing our personality so well that – you know, I went from being outside with the horses every day and you went with cheer and everything to I'm literally sleep- I'm going to school and I'm coming back and I'm sleeping 14 hours a night yeah. and I'm sick, like yeah. very sick, yeah. um, which was not not my
0: personality and wasn't your personality either. Well, I about to say with Anna, she's like one of the most self-motivated people I've ever met, accomplishes every goal she sets her mind to, so... When when she got, you know, started getting into all this, you know that she was feeling bad. It was not a fun time. I mean, and I,
2: I mean, again, luckily I had people who were kind of going through it. So we got me in with a doctor that was in Merle's Inlet that we were talking about that's more holistically based. Um, and we started doing, running all these tests. And again, like Lauren mentioned, a lot of this is blacked out. So I'm not going to get in too detailed about it. But um, you know, I was initially diagnosed with Lyme disease, um, which is something we haven't taught you yet. It's not an autoimmune disorder. However, it can lead to autoimmune disorders because of the degradation that it does on your body. But uh, briefly, Lyme disease is uh, caused by ticks from a bacteria. So they're infected, they bite you, and we live very small town. And again, I'm out with the horses. We're out running through the woods. I mean, I'm sure we've, we have all found ticks on us, whatever. But I happen to be the lucky one. I got the golden ticket. I got the Lyme disease. Um, Did you
0: carry me out of the woods one time because I got ticks on me?
2: Yes. But you've always had a thing about that, just like leeches.
0: Yeah, I don't – one time we were in the woods. Any
2: blood sucking – Unless the, it's a vampire. The
0: yeah, <laughs> the house we grew up in was very. much. It's in the woods.
2: All of our houses, really, out in the country, I mean, out yeah. in the
0: sticks, and we used to go play in the woods. Of course, um, one time I was wearing like fucking Crocs or something. I don't even. Oh, know. Oh God,
2: we're probably we're hell. We were probably barefoot. Let's be yeah. honest.
0: And I looked probably down and there was the like four ticks on me. Oh yeah, and I had a mental breakdown. I don't oh, know why. Not,
2: yeah, no. But you but you don't like.
0: You don't like critters. No, I don't fuck with that. And no, I don't know what overcame me in that moment, <laughs> and that I literally thought I was dying. I did. This carry is you so out. dramatic, like wedding and,
2: style. Yeah, fully. and Anna
0: Kelly, like, <laughs> what weighed less than me? I'm <laughs> um, at this point. She was probably still shorter than me. She's taller than me now. Yeah, and she fucking carried me out of our woods. It's not like a little. It's I not like fifty feet from the house. <laughs> She no, we were out and, in like, like through a booties. trail. Yeah, <laughs> through a trail up through the how up to the house because I, I guess I thought my dramatic ass thought that I was dying. But. Your, your legs—they were gone.
2: Which is funny because not it. Whoa. <laughs> it's not funny. Hang on. Lyme disease could actually cause paralysis. Oof. So. So queen. I had a
0: good reason to be maybe, afraid. Yes, you had, maybe that's you had good the time reason. that you got Lyme was because you, I was saving you got, your life. Yeah, you got bit while you were saving my yeah. life. Yeah,
2: we'll we'll act, go with that. I like an act that story. Of heroism. Yeah. I like that story. That, that fits. Um, but initially, you'll find the typical the bullseye pattern and flu-like symptoms will occur. Joint paintness and weakness. Um, most people with Lyme disease could recover completely with appropriate antibiotic treatment. Being the keywords here, um, well, we didn't know. Again, we're to no fault of anybody. We're children who literally go plow out in the woods for twelve hours a day on a hundred acres. Um, you know, we do the best we can to try to find ticks, but sometimes they find themselves in places that you don't want to know where they're at. Um, and then a bullseye occurs. You may think, "Oh, I have whatever," and you move on. So, by the time I was diagnosed, it was which is also a touchy subject, Um, borderlining on the chronic Lyme disease, which is very debated on if it's even a thing. So, of course, going back to the people not believing you um, aspect of it is, okay, do you really have chronic and with antibiotics, blah, 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 blah.
0: Yeah, some people don't even – there's doctors who – don't I mean it's very chronic Lyme is very con. not very controversial Lyme is
2: is known and you
0: but it's chronic long-term Lyme that people debate there's a lot of doctors who say yeah it's a thing and some who say and there's some who say absolutely not so you know and I I, again
2: I am not a doctor (laughs) I don't know but I do know that with the symptoms I was having and the the appropriate blood tests that were taken that that's what we kind of deduced. And then I also had, um, elevated liver titers, which is also another symptom of that. So that was also concerning because we were afraid of potentially of liver cancer or, um, fatty liver disease, d- just various things. So, When we went in, of course, we get all that taken care of. And, you know, you can expect, like you were saying, as a teenager, you go from living your best life. I'm just now getting a, you know, male attention from my now husband. You know, I'm trying to do that. I have my best friend. I have my horses. I have social life. I have whatever. And now you feel like a literal bag of dog shit um, every day. So, that was tough. But we... Put me on some medication. Uh now trexone. I probably am not pronouncing that right.
0: The low dose naltrexone. Yeah,
2: I was not on the high dose. But yeah, I was on the low doses, which are used for immune system dysregulation, which clearly I was having. Um, and then we treated my liver with milk thistle to try to get my titers down. It was a lot. There was a lot going on. And then through all of this mess of sleeping and being extremely sick, and, you know, he kind of walked me through, if this on does not work, then you're going to need to potentially go get the drip antibiotics from Duke. It, it was a thing. It was a whole big, big thing. Um, Luckily, it did work, so that was good, but through all this, then I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and thyroid, which Lauren has taken you through now, so I won't get into all of that, but, um, you know, with kind of my journey, we kind of live on two opposite ends of the spectrum because when you look at me, you think that I'm definitely hyper. Actually, I've been told I was wrong to my face, which I think is hilarious. And um, I would be questioned a lot when I say I have, oh, I have hypothyroidism and they'll say hyper. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me is going into this is when I walk into a doctor's office and having to be the ridicule of "there's nothing wrong with you, you're
0: you look you, fine. A,
2: you look in shape, you look whatever," and then they look at your blood work and they're like, "No shit." When you walk in a room, and I'm not gonna say when, when you look like me because I feel like I have I have definitely been through the ringer. I've definitely whatever, but. I don't feel like you know my experience living in the South. I definitely fit the statistic of the skinny blonde girl um, who went to Clemson and graduated. You know, just all the things. You know, you add all all together. But then when you look at the doctors, it becomes especially hard because you have to advocate and be like, you know, I do have issues. I do have problems. I wake up every day and I have extreme fatigue. I can't run. I can't walk barely, you know, without feeling I don't I have no motivation to do all the things, you know, the horses have been my lifelong love and obsession and passion and I have no motivation to do that anymore. Um and so, you know, to finally kind of get a diagnosis with it. It almost made it harder though because mm-hmm. then it was like you put a label on yourself. Yeah. And like we talked about, it's not something you you're not, you're constantly trying to figure out what's best for you at that time, but you're not truly recovering. It's just mm, yeah. watching and maintaining and whatever. And so it's very similar. It's go gluten free and go dairy free and whatever, which is great. And I would, I for get, some get at, at the same time, again, family of four, I'm in the same shoes Lauren was in a couple years before, you know, it's, you know it's very hard to make all these changes without having access to the nutritionist and whatever. Um, but I think, like you kind of said, I think the hardest thing for me has been kind of different. I think the hardest thing for me through this is been well. Now I am I'm not on any medication right now, mm-hmm. um, and I think the biggest thing for me has kind of well, a been denial and kind of getting back into the loop of finding a good doctor again and not. Um, not allowing myself to be consumed by the diagnosis, and allowing people
0: to—you look fine, you look fine, you look fine. You a f- lot of this is perception on both yes. sides. Like yes. that is a that is a phrase that keeps popping up in my mind as we're both talking about this. Is we both have these different issues of perception. It's like you're dealing with the perception of people not not believing, believing. you. Yeah, and I have struggled with the perception of feeling like people only see one thing, but not knowing the deeper rooted issue. Mm -hmm. And same thing for you. People only see one thing. They see a wider appearance and they make the assumption about
2: you. Yeah. And that, Oh, you are okay. And that you have this and you have that. And then in reality, you're like in internally, you're like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not at so all many things that you don't uh, even know
0: about me that I deal with. On yeah.
2: A daily basis. On the daily basis. Um, and so, you know, being right now, I, I am unmedicated, um, which I feel like where I'm at right now, I do feel the best I think I have in a while. And I just have some interesting whatever because my thyroid levels weren't as bad as yours. So um, I think I was over-medicated at one point, which made me feel worse. So then it was kind of like I spiraled down at a lot of a lot of points. Um, and, again, like you said, a bit the biggest thing in my life has always been like the, oh, pick yourself up by, by, by the bootstraps has kind of been my whole mantra. And everybody knows that. And so when you get so consumed by that, that that's your thing. Um, and then you don't do that, and it goes back to you don't take care of yourself. So, in front of everybody, like I'm still, I may show up and go to classes like when I was in college, or you know, I'll do this, that, and the other. But then behind closed doors, like I'm laying in bed and I'm like, I literally hate myself mm-hmm. and I feel like shit. And they're telling me, like, I should be able to do this, that, and the other. Like, wh- why can't I do that? Why can't I be just a normal functioning human being? um and then the biggest thing for me has just been the anxiety the mental game is so important and you know it's almost like it, at this point you you know the physical health you know the thyroid you know what's happening it's degrading it's going down it's whatever so it, the mental game of it is almost that much more important because that's what's carrying you at this point. Yeah, is that's the
0: only thing that's carrying, carrying you. you. Your body's not. No. So you have to be sharp mentally yes. to keep going. Yes.
2: And you know, I think the like I said, the biggest thing for me is the been the manifest manifestation. Wow. Uh, manifestation.
0: Manifestation queen.
2: Yeah. Whoop, I wish. Um. <laughs> um of anxiety that has come out in my relationships that has come out in my familial relationships, um, especially, you know, as a manifestation of anger and, um, being seen as the angry one and being seen as the mad one. And a, a lot of that stems from the anxiety and, a lot of that, too, is a is, is a personal thing that is all I'm always working on and trying to work on and um, just, you know, learning little things. Like, you know, we had a conversation the other day about, you know, seeing a situation that might be triggering if we're going to, you know, yeah. a, you know, yeah, whatever. You and just, it. you know, it, yeah. um, and just learning how to cope with different situations and coping mechanisms, which are so important. Um but I think that's the been like kind of the hardest part of my journey is just been a lot of anger and anxiety
0: for a lot of people. Anxiety does present itself as anger because it's almost like a protection mechanism. Oh,
2: a hundred percent is as soon as, you know, God, there's been so many times where, you know, I have had an out outburst per se, because that truly is what it is of anger or whatever. And, You know, it stems from the anxiety, and then you immediately like you feel such guilt and shame about it. And you always have that logical part of you that says, like, you know exactly what's going on, and you know exactly what you're doing, Mm -hmm. and you can say, like, like why are you doing this right now? But it, you just, it's at that point, you're just, it's out of your control.
0: Yeah, and Um, I think shame is a big part of all this because you know. Our family knows, our spouses know what our daily life is like. You know, we know what the struggle is. The shame of feeling like, how must you look to other people?
2: Yeah. Well, and and like you said, it's keeping that outside appearance. On the inside, you feel this crazy storm and hurricane and thunder, you know, you feel all these things going on at one time. And on the outside, you're like trying to maintain this perfect composure. And so it's like this big battle of, you know, like for me personally, when it, 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 I've suppressed everything of how I've been feeling and with the autoimmune, especially because again, like I said, I'm unmedicated right now, um, that I'm not regulated. So it, it might, lean on being a little bit worse for me Mm -hmm. right now because of everything that goes along with it, with the fatigue and whatever, because my body isn't regulating anything on its own right
0: now. And I think, I don't know what happened. I don't know what switch flipped in me. Um, is that I have just constantly had this mantra in my head of taking my own power back. Yes. And that, yes, You know, every single day it's a battle, and so I mentally imagine myself literally as corny as it sounds as a warrior with a sword. Same, I listen to
2: Unstoppable by Sia
0: every day. I know, like, you have like whatever you do, you know, and it's not dumb,
2: it not like what, like you said earlier, whatever you can do to survive, literally, if that means you literally wake up in the morning and you eat five vanilla wafers not speaking from personal experience at all
0: then <laughs> yeah. do it will not you will not yield to this you are not a prisoner in your mind you are you are bigger you are better you you are not you don't you don't have to submit to the anxiety you don't have to submit to the to d- the depression you you are more powerful than your, than your mind, than your body. And I know that there's probably a lot of people who have experienced that feeling of being trapped, of being a prisoner in your own mind and in your body. But I mean, if anyone can tell you, you know, we can tell you, you have the power to overcome. And of course,
2: again, don't be like me right now and be unmedicated. Like, it yeah, is not just a mental thing. It, it It is a mental thing, but like
0: seek the necessary help that you need. Yeah, this is all in but, combination with yes. the right health care, with yes. the right medicine. And
2: it's finding what works for you. And maybe it's not a mantra. Maybe it's whatever, but like... You know, maybe for, it's
0: fucking crying every day. Yeah, maybe like you know what? Like, maybe
2: I cry almost every day right now.
0: Like it, it is yeah, what it is. Maybe it's but going in, getting in the car and riding around for you listen, know, thirty yeah, whatever, minutes. By whatever, yourself, whatever can find you a podcast find that spark. That you like. Yeah, and
2: I hate to use the word normal because again, normal is relative. But whatever makes you you feel you're normal again, like you just got to do that shit.
0: And I would even argue whatever makes you feel better than normal. I have had conversations with Keller very recently about how with our workouts, I have gotten to this point where I see and I feel this lightness. It has become so mentally clearing for me. It has been such a source of peace and hope for me because it's something that I thought that I wasn't even really capable of anymore, of that much consistency and discipline Oh, yeah. The discipline. Yeah, we've talked about that because it's like when motivation fails, discipline has to be. All you have is discipline. You know that this is fucking crazy for me to say, but there's been many days where I have been looking forward to going and working out when Keller gets home from work, where I have been... And that has been my favorite part of the day is going and doing that because the rest of my day will be so chaotic, so stressful. I've sat at my computer and edited for 10 hours and then edited the podcast and answered emails and cleaned the house and, you know, checked in with my friends and made sure that they're okay and, you know, scrolled mindlessly on fucking social media and whatever other bullshit I add to my day that when I finally get to step away all of it behind and go do that workout it for me that has been such a lifeline in the last couple weeks and I've noticed that I've had a lot more productivity and a lot more ability to do things during the day and I fucking hate admitting it but you damn sleep
2: it. eight hours a day, eat right, go God work out, wake up early. They were fucking I know. right. I, I But I sh- hate it. I'm not going to. That's the only time you'll hear me say that.
0: I know. But I fucking hate admitting it that it actually, yeah, it fucking
1: wow. works. Wow, yeah.
2: But no. I mean, like you just said, like finding something like that is so important. And we just had, again, had this conversation the other day when I was having a mental breakdown in Augusta. <laughs> Another story, another long time. story. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my whole life is a series of. That's a long story for later. Yeah. Um, but is I'm I'm in the point right now, I, and of course, I just said I've, I've physically right now. I feel like I've kind of been at my best, but of course, there's still struggles every day. But I have not found my thing to mm. be. Um, to, like, look That's forward to every clarity, day. Yeah. That's kind of giving me, like, that, hey, this can be your, like, reprieve from life. Yeah, like, um, you need a
0: relief from the rest of the fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like, where you can truly pause your life yeah. and do well, something and, and, that and, gives you a joy. And it,
2: not only that, but it, it also adds to your life where, you know, like, walking is very Um, Because, again, we just moved to Charleston, so walking by yourself not really an option where I live right now um our car literally just got broken into I could go walk by myself for sure but but everyone has to find their thing I don't want to be a statistic (laughs) but (laughs) but, and also I just don't know if that's my thing right now and of course I have my horse down here um I'm hoping to incorporate that into my schedule but it's been hard because I've been, again, I've been studying for the CPA stuff. And so right now, um, you know, with the struggles of getting out of bed. And if anybody has ever studied for the CPA, you know, you're literally studying for 10 hours a day. Every yeah, day of the job. week. Um, I literally I have to schedule out to give myself days off. Um, so trying to find the motivation and not let you know, my intrusive thoughts go back to like, oh, you're you have this disease, you it's breaking you down, it's winning right now, um, has been really hard. I mean, we had a major loss. Um, I graduated and then I moved. And so it's like my body has just been like, fuck this, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's in it's, shock right now. It's like what, not are happy what are we with doing? Me. It's been overrun. Um so it's been, you know, I'm taking it day by day. And we're trying to find. We're trying.
0: We're trying. Trying.
2: Well, that's the important thing is you have to try. Because if you don't try, then you get sucked back into the the void of not taking care of yourself, which just amplifies every single part mm-hmm.
1: of this. Well, my first question, I think you already kind of covered. Um, I was going to ask, how would you rate your medical care? <laughs> Uh, For managing your autoimmune disease, Uh, Uh, what's our what's our
2: scale here?
0: Yeah, my past medical care, I would say, um, I would say like three and a half or four, um, but that's me like trying to be like positive about it and be generous. And then right now, I would say just on a like n- educational standpoint probably uh, eight and a half but on a um how well they communicate with you how well how easy it is to get in contact with your doctor how easy it is to get blood work how easy it is to get your medicine how easy it is to make an appointment send an email make a phone call I would say that shit is at like a three
1: right now. Well, there's only one specialist within a hundred mile radius.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: So I would say what about you, uh, currently um, na. I cannot, Cause she's not, I'm she's not being treated right, now. Yeah, being treated treated right now, which is do not recommend for anybody. Um, go get help. Uh, in the past, very different experience from Lauren, because unfortunately she was the guinea pig. Um, but then I kind of got to come in behind her and, um, you know, after they listened and learned from the doctors they went through, I kind of got to hop in in a very good place. Um, now as far as some other, like the gastro stuff with my liver and stuff, if I had to rate that literally a negative, the doctor told me I did not have the problem I had. And then I was referred to somebody else who listened to me and I had that problem. Um, overall if I had to rate the whole experience, probably a six. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, Next question is, are you open about your disease and symptoms and why or why not? Are you open about them?
0: Well, I am now that it's on a podcast. (laughs) Well, it is now. (laughs) Well, uh, I feel like it's still easier to do it in this format because it's, the two people who I trust and care for most in the world. It's my sister, who's, like, my best friend, and then my husband, who's my other best friend. So it doesn't feel like I'm talking to anyone about it right now because these are all things that they know. Uh, So, yeah, I would say, for me personally, like, I probably would not. I would have a really hard time talking about this with someone who doesn't know the full history. Like, both of y'all know the full history. You know everything about it. So I don't have to fill in the gaps.
1: And why is that? Why would you have a hard time talking to somebody about it?
0: Because I don't, I, I touched on this earlier when I have my emotional breakdown, but I just don't, it's, it's just hard to go to that place of vulnerability all the time with someone who may not, truly 100% care.
1: Are you open about your hashis or Lyme um, disease, Anna?
0: Again,
2: I I kind of agree um like of course y'all know and the family knows, but I think for me, um my biggest struggle has been it's a like it takes a shouldn't take away from who I am as a person because it's something I can't help and I live with, but because of who I am and I'm an overachiever and I want to accomplish a lot of things in my life, I feel like I can just pretend to be a normal person and just deal, like, suffer in silence and deal with the pain, and it's just, like like you said, it's easier to explain to people who already know what you're going through versus, like, pulling somebody else into the shit show.
0: Yeah, I just, that 10 out of 10, everything she said, I mean, literally 100% feel the same way.
1: Right. All right, my other question was, so as two people who struggle with autoimmune disease and the symptoms that come with that, um, for people who are, uh, your partners or your friends, um, basically as a caretaker, partner, a friend of someone who has an autoimmune disease, uh, what should we know or how can we better care for someone we love that has an autoimmune d- disease?
2: Um, again, I think it, I think it varies case by case. Um, and you, you have to know, that friend, that partner, that whoever it is in your life. Because Dylan's care to me is going to look – that's my husband – is going to look very different than your care to each other. But I think the main if, – if it can just be summed down to be kind of an overarching thing um, without getting into like each individual person is just to be compassionate, um, be open. There's – it's going to be scary on both sides. You know, everybody goes through, there's no textbook thing that you're going to fit into. Like, oh, I have this, you know, I have the flu. This is what I'm going to experience, whatever, you know, every day is going to change. It may be better. It may be worse. Um, so just staying compassionate, staying open and, you know, just It's not to say that you can't self-care because you absolutely are entitled to that because it is dark and hard for both sides to watch your snippet go through that, but then also having to deal with your own feeling, your own emotions of watching, you know, whatever. And also having it like what I said with dealing with, I have a lot of anxiety that comes out in anger and outbursts and he doesn't deserve that. And my friends don't deserve that. My family doesn't deserve that. But again, having that compassion to say like, Hey, maybe this is going on.
0: Yeah, well, I agree with everything you said, and I think I just want to add add on to it with my answer. Um, I think compassion, like you said, that's a big part of it. Just just human kindness, you know, just having human compassion and basic kindness. And extending that to someone else. And, not and treating them different. Yeah. And saying, like, I see you. I get it. I, or I may not 100% get it because I don't live this with you. I'm not in your body. But I see you. And yeah. I know that you struggle. Yeah. And being open-minded that, you know, what what you see on the outside is not the it doesn't
2: definitely it's not the storm that's going on on the inside yeah it doesn't
0: match the inside and you don't you don't ever know what someone's going through on the outside people fight their own silent battles every day that you have no idea about so just have a lot of grace for people
1: following up on that question on a macro scale what could be done universally or as a society to help advance the care or understanding of autoimmune disease, or people who suffer from them?
0: Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one major or like one thing that immediately came to my mind was the to integrate holistic and Western medicines yeah. together because right now, um, and I really don't blame individual doctors because they're just doing what they know. And they have to make a paycheck at the end of the day. And, they and have they're to, going through an education system that, that taught them that way. Yeah, that doesn't teach them about this. Try not to blame individual doctors unless it's just gross negligence. Mm-hmm. And Western medicine, I should say, not just specifically America, they don't like to treat the root issue. They don't like to get to the root of it, you know, the healing the gut and what that looks like and inflammation, and how that presents itself for people with autoimmune disorders, but you will never hear that be talked about in Western medicine. Mm -hmm. You will only hear, here's a pill, go on this diet. Forever. Forever, and come see me in six months. And yeah, give me your paycheck, and yeah, (laughs) come come see me in a year, not even six months.
1: Yeah, and this may be anecdotal, but I feel like is it accurate to say that there's a kind of a lack of understanding about the thyroid and modern medicine?
2: I'm not even necessarily a lack of knowledge because well and of course medicine is ever changing. We're researching still because a lot of the holistic doctors do have access and so like everybody has access to that. But it's a trying to fit too many people into one box type of thing. And I think mm. that's the big thing with yeah. autoimmune is you're not going to check every single one of the things because you can look at us. Too. You want everyone and we are. We have, are, we have the on. fatigue. We have the depression. The anxiety, but we are vastly different. Yeah, and we look different. We, we look vastly different. You know, so, so it's
0: hard to put an exact label of you have this because of that. I don't. There's not an open conversation about it. I think a lot of it is access and and taking their own time access, to research it. Yes. Like your average doctor your average general practitioner is not going to take the time to do the research. Unfortunately,
2: a lot of it is too, is they just don't have the time anymore. No, because they're they're seeing patients for 15 minutes a session. Yep.
1: Yeah. I feel like we're a sick society.
2: Yeah. Chronically, (laughs) chronically sick society.
0: And that's kind of what I was talking about was how America, I keep saying America, but I mean, Western culture likes, to treat things once it's already too late. There needs to be a lot more conversation and a lot more access
2: because, again, like we've said, we've
1: been (laughs) been very
2: fortunate (laughs) to have had a mom who did the research and then very fortunate to have had the funds to have access. So I feel for those people out there who haven't had the access or the funds or the knowledge to be able to go through even the journey we're going Man, through. Man, that is
0: a huge part that we're leaving out about this is, is the dis, the the wealth disparity. Because yeah. we go to, right now, it's a private practice. We have to pay just to go get appointments. We either have to pay for every single um appointment out of pocket, yep. or we have to get on an annual plan, yep. which is p- paid for monthly. And that's just to get treated. That's just to get... I cannot schedule an appointment unless I have a plan or yeah. I'm willing to pay an astronomical fee out of pocket just to see this doctor. So that is just the and baseline level of The sad part care. is it's
2: not like autoimmune diseases are some, you know, rare in
0: 50 million people. No, it's ex- a it's, lot
2: of people, especially women suffer from this.
0: Yes, and so the fact that just and we are also like we said, our office is five hours away from us. So now, take away, all, all, like all of the privilege and the wealth and things that are in our life that we're it, beyond, you know, lucky and blessed to have access to, and you have someone who doesn't have the wealth, doesn't have the time, has to work multiple jobs. They don't have time to do this. They don't have the resources, the energy, the money, nothing. They're stuck, and they're stuck feeling terrible until the day they die. Mm -hmm. And they can't just go to their regular doctor or their
2: OBGYN or whoever and just say, hey, this is what I'm feeling like. Can I order a full panel thyroid test?
1: Yeah. I feel like even with y'all's privilege and getting specialists and – uh, getting treatment, the, the the level of treatment that y'all have received, it, it, the symptoms are still barely managed, it seems like, you know. So I can't even imagine what it would be like for somebody who, you know, can just afford to go to doctor's care or, or the ER or just a general practitioner or, or not, sure. nothing, you know, yeah, or, or can't even afford to go to the doctor at all. So... I hope y'all enjoyed that episode.
0: I just want to say a huge thank you to Anna Kelly for coming on and sharing her experiences, choosing to be vulnerable about this. It's not easy to talk about. Well, and thank
2: you for having me on. I, and
0: I I'm really, the first guest. so You are the first guest. When
2: this becomes the biggest podcast in the world, just know if you ain't first, you're last, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah I think it's an important conversation that is not talked about in a mainstream way at all mm-hmm.
1: thank y'all for sharing your stories and um, hopefully this is informative and helpful to the listeners out there yeah, all, all three of you and, uh,
2: one of them sitting here
1: one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of us sitting here tune in next week we'll have another episode for you hope you enjoyed this one Thanks again to Anna Kelly for being our guest, our very special guest this week. And um, we'll see you next time on In the Midnight Hour podcast. And until then, get some sleep.